Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. As we head closer towards Election Day, Things just seem to be getting wackier and wackier, you know? Don't worry about the fact that you can mail in your vote without ever asking for a ballot. You can just, uh, you know, have your ballot come in the mail, and it'll get there okay. Not like all the mail that we found right down the street from our house in a big bag in a dumpster that somebody discovered while looking for siding, which was in the news. I think Trump uh, was, uh, was caught up abreast about it by Rush Limbaugh, but... Never mind that. Things are going to go swimmingly. Nothing's going to go crazy. Not like, um, not like the fact that a computer outage caused by a cut fiber cable has taken down Virginia's voter registration system on the final day to register right before the election. Oh, imagine that. In the land of Governor Blackface. In the land of Lieutenant Governor Sexual Assaultman. In the land of Attorney General Blackface. In the land, the commonwealth of transgender death metal singer representative from Loudoun County, we wouldn't have something like mail-in boats, val- uh, mail-in ballots showing up in dumpsters. And on the day of the last day of registration, uh, you know that one fiber optic cable was cut. Yeah, you can't really, uh, you can't really register today. Final day. Oh, but you know what? Remember what we talked about last week with the group that was looking to kidnap the Michigan governor, Whitmer, who was white supremacist until we found out they weren't white supremacist? Well, they discussed targeting Governor Blackface in Virginia, according to the FBI. Yep, they were looking to get him, too, which there's a part of me that would have said, hey, you can go ahead and take him. Take him off our hands, please. But that's the thing. As we get closer to it, remember what Bernie Sanders' campaign spokesman said? It's going to look a lot like 1978 when it was 1968. But, you know, he's an idiot, and we have to look at that. But we also have to look at the fact that these people are extremely violent. And the situation that happened over the weekend, I think we really need to delve into because there's a lot of layers to it. And it's not being reported the way it should be. It's a very Covington Catholic uh, Nick Sandman kind of feel to this whole thing. So over this past weekend, Denver, um, I guess it's uh, Denver Post, reported one dead after gunfire at downtown Denver rallies, private security guard on contract by Channel 9 News in custody. So it was a patriot rally and Black Lives Matter Antifa soup drive were both planned for Saturday. And this is how it was reported. One person has died. Another man who Channel 9 News confirmed was a private security guard contracted by them is in custody after shooting during dual protest Saturday in downtown Denver. Now, Channel 9 reported that one of their employees and a contractor for the television station were taken into custody. It later confirmed the guard was contracted through Pinkerton and that it has been the practice of Channel 9 News for a number of months to hire private security to accompany staff at protests. Police initially said two people were taken into custody, but later said one of them was not involved with the incident. They tweeted that the suspect was a private security guard with no affiliation to Antifa, right? (laughs) Keep that in mind. Because apparently the governor was pressured to, uh, to change that narrative. In fact, 
Uh, somebody online had posted, never forget who contacted Channel 9 News to have them revise the story to say the Denver shooter was not a leftist activist, as we know he now all was. This was posted by many others yesterday. Just want to remind people of the pronoun using representative in Colorado. Back to the story. The incident occurred after a man participating in what was billed a Patriot rally sprayed mace at another man. That man then shot the other individual with a handgun near the courtyard outside of the Denver Art Museum. In the news conference after the incident, Division Chief Joe Montoya said the police cannot confirm the shooters or the victim's affiliations, but said the incident started as a verbal altercation. Two guns were found at the scene, he said, as well as a mace can. When asked about Channel 9's news report, Montoya said he could not confirm any connection, only seeing that the department was still interviewing witnesses. One of those witnesses was a Denver, uh, Denver Post photojournalist, which we'll get into all this here in a minute. We're hopeful that as soon as possible, we can find the factual information out as to what led to this incident and who the individuals were. We're hopeful that the information will help calm the calm the waters a little bit. The rallies at the Civic Center on Saturday came less than a month before presidential elections and amidst the global pandemic that has the nation on edge. Until the shooting, protests mostly consisted of each group chanting and yelling at each other from across the amphitheater, which separated the two groups. The right-wing protesters, led by John Teagan, an El Paso, El Paso County resident, gathered in the park's amphitheater and occasionally chanted patriotic songs and held up banners. Juan Cuiones, member of the biker gang Sons of Silence, decided to attend the right-wing rally after seeing Tegan's event posted online. He arrived after police had closed off the amphitheater but stayed with other right-leaning protesters. Cuiones said he wasn't attending the event to start trouble, but he would defend himself if he was attacked. He blamed the violence on the left. Quote, if you don't come out and listen and talk when people speak, then they win, he said. The left-wing group, which organizers called BLM Antifa Soup Drive, which that's going to get pretty important when we get into this, held up flags and signs railing against Nazis and white supremacists as they gathered in the middle of the park several hundred feet from the barricaded-off amphitheater. An hour in, police had, uh, had fired what appeared to be pepper balls after people from the leftist group started rattling a barrier headed into the amphitheater. One protester burned a thin blue line flag in front of the officers. The soup drive idea appealed to Isabel DeFrancia, who said she came out because she liked the idea to help low-income folks. She brought pasta, but she said she was apprehensive about what she'd seen online in anticipation of the events. Richard Johnson and Amy Thompson said they were walking by the amphitheater when they passed by the rally. America, by large, if you look at the media, thinks that most of America is for defunding the police and that it is hard liberal left and wants to riot in the street. And I personally don't believe the numbers bear that out. So that's what happened. So we have this incident where there is a competing rally situation, Patriots rally, Black Lives Matter, Antifa soup rally. And then this incident happens. And apparently the photo, the photographer for Denver Post, along with this individual, Matt Doloff, he was a security guard hired by Pinkerton to be used by Channel 9. Well, come to find out he's not even licensed to be a security guard. This is from CBS Denver 4. Controversy continued to surround Matthew Doloff, a Denver murder suspect on Sunday. Denver police arrested Doloff after he was seen shooting at a man 
at the Patriot uh, rally on Saturday. That victim, later identified as Lee Kettler, or Keltner, I'm sorry, by the coroner's office, later died at the hospital. Now, apparently, <laughs> the Denver Department of Excise and Licenses tells CBS 4's Andrea Doloff that, or uh, tells Andrea Flores that Doloff was not licensed to be a security guard in the city. Quote, if he was operating as a security guard, he was in violation of the law, the department said. Security guards are prohibited from carrying or using firearms without getting an armed firearm endorsement for their license. All security guards in Denver are required to get the federal background checks before they get their license. They also shared that Denver is one of three cities in Colorado where security guards are required to have a license to operate and that there's no requirement to have the license in that state. Security guards are also required to go through training, which includes training on use of force. So, yeah, he didn't have a license. And then you find, well, they're saying he had a concealed weapons carry permit, but he wasn't licensed to be a security guard. So why is Channel 9 hanging out with this guy? So then you find out, oh, wait a minute. He was in a Denver, occupied Denver protest back in 2011. This is from the 2011 article talking about the uh, the riots uh, and the curfews that were enforced. Basically, he says state troopers were strategically spread throughout the park This is from Matthew Dolliff, quote, since the parks are closed at 11 p.m., we will not be in the park at all. We will be on the sidewalks, not blocking pedestrian traffic at all, proceeding to walk around the sidewalks, said Inglewood resident and protester Matthew Dolliff. So now he doesn't have any political leanings. Now, just look over his Facebook page. Yeah, from Big League Politics, the private security guard, quote, <laughs> arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the shooting death of Patriot Prayer demonstrator in Denver is a far leftist with a track record of left-wing social media posts. It's not surprising that Doloff is quick to resort to violence against conservatives as when he uh, views President Trump as a fascist dictator. This is his uh, post from January of 2017, quote, let me get this straight. The executive branch is not listening to the judicial branch. So are there no more checks and balances? Fascist dictatorship now? He also posted a picture of somebody holding up a, what's that line again? All lives matter? Step the F up photo from Occupied Democrats. And he says, partner French, but this needs to be said, not a peep from the all lives matter crowd right now. And then he goes on. He has memes of, of Donald Trump saying illegal immigrants must go back home. And then a uh, picture of a Native American saying, oh, serious. So when are you going? Um, that was back in 2015. He also posted democracynow.org's article on criminalization and Trump's ICE raids. Two immigrant rights organizers talking about the kids being put into cages. That was from 2017, his February, uh, his February post. He also was big into the Young Turks, the far leftist group. In fact, um, was it Sion um, Uyghur? I think the guy's name from the Young Turks. He actually is the one who supported Bernie Sanders and his, uh, I can't remember the name of the group, something Democrats. They ended up being the ones to put Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez into power with that uh, Shikarti, whatever his name is, the guy who was her campaign and the brains behind the matter, the campaign manager. He actually had dinner with them and took pictures with all of the guys from the Young Turks. So to say he's not 
you know, on the far left is kind of a stretch. I mean, he's got Keith Olbermann, which we let's listen to Keith Olbermann go off about how people like uh, like the gentleman Lee Keltner, who was killed, why he should be expunged and removed from society. Trump can be and must be expunged. The hate he has triggered, the Pandora's box he has opened, they will not be so easily destroyed. So, let us brace ourselves. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. And then he, and his enablers, and his supporters, and his collaborators, and the Mike Lees, and the William Barrs, and the Sean Hannity's, and the Mike Pence's, and the Rudy Giuliani's, and the Kyle Rittenhouse's, and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it and to rebuild the world Trump has nearly destroyed by turning it over to a virus. Remember it, even as we dream of a return to reality and safety and the country for which our forefathers died, that the fight is not just to win an election, but to win it by enough to chase, at least for a moment, Trump and the maggots off the stage and then try to clean up what they left. Remember it, even though to remember it means remembering that the fight does not end November 3rd. But in many ways, we'll only begin that day. So this individual has some issues, obviously. So there was a couple things that were posted. First, there was a couple threads that we saw that um, kind of gave a good overview as to what was really going on in this situation. Um, one of them kind of put it into perspective in the video that I watched later that we're going to go through and, and, and analyze kind of supports all of this. The thread says, since people are asking so many questions, I'll walk you through the murder of Lee Keltner at the hands of Matthew Doloff and others. So Doloff was there to murder a conservative. He was not a licensed security guard. Quote, while Pinkerton had an active license to employ security guards in Denver, officials have no record that Doloff had the required city license to work as a private security guard, said Eric Esquindardo. We just talked about that in that uh, article from Channel 4. Um, so it goes on to say that there was an individual that was on the ground. This guy was wearing, he's a Black Lives Matter protester, He's wearing a Black Guns Matter shirt. And he's walking around stirring up conflict. And this is what this thread said. He and the photographer were trying to create conflict for propaganda. So they're going up. They're harassing people left and right. Um, and then the last one that happened, according to this thread, was an incident where Lee Keltner was in getting into it with the Black Lives Matter, Black Guns Matter guy. Black Lives Matter guy wearing the Black Guns Matter so he can look like he's a far right guy. And they get into it and then somebody steps in to break it up and then off camera you hear the shot and you see Lee Keltner fall down. So we're going to need to get into the video side of this because that's where it gets really interesting. Um, so it starts off with this first clip of the video. Um, this individual, I think it's uh, at... Um, what's her name again? At some bitch uh, I know. She gets the hat tip for this because she put this all together and it's pretty amazing. She starts off by saying, Black Lives Matter and Antifa immediately start out hostile at the event. Um, if you're like me, you've been thinking a lot about what happened in Denver the other day. 
And so I've been working on putting together a timeline of some of the key players and events. There's a lot more to it than this, but this is my start. So from the very start, BLM and Antifa were very hostile. So obviously they're already riled up. The Black Lives Matter guy wearing the Black Guns Matter shirt is interviewed by Channel 9 News. And you'll hear him. You'll hear the uh, news reporter, actually, I think it was just the videographer, asking him if he'd like to give out his name. He says he doesn't want to give it out. And then at the end of the clip, you hear someone with the group videotaping, asking the security guard if they knew that there was soup can launchers on the premises for this Black Lives Matter soup deal. They were going to use the soup can launchers so they can launch them at people. And he asked the guy, the security guard, hey, are you the solution? beginning you see the gun lives matter guy getting interviewed by the news this guy right here The guy recording this series walks past the producer and Matt Dolliff around 15 minutes in. Pardon me. He turns and you can briefly see them lurking back by the trees too. Obviously, don't want to be smart. Channel 9 News is set up next to them, interviewing people. Around 30 minutes in, the victim walks by and stays in the background afterwards. Excuse me. But allegedly, there's soup can launchers in the on the property today. He said he was a solution, huh? So then we get into what is the setup, and at some bitch I know believes that the news crew pushed the Black Lives Matter guy together with the first Patriots Prayer marcher, which caused an argument, um, which they had a woman step in to break it up. She feels like the news crew was pushing this like they were working together to create a a tense situation that they could film so that they can show look the patriots prayer people are uh violent white supremacist as they leave the rally you'll see all the people again you'll see the guy in the red shirt right there you'll see the woman in the black hat she's coming around the corner right now and then the photographer is right here behind the tree and the guy in the gun lives matter shirt is going to be over here instigating. Look how she sets up. I think they planned it. (laughs) 
So then you can hear the Black Lives Matter guy <laughs> mock the police, you know, and then somebody in that crowd next to the police yells back at him, Black Coffee Matters. Now watch them. It's a little nod right there. And earlier, they set up the news just like this. They've been coordinating with Nine News all day long. So, I think they're trying to get good shots. Like the people over there are also Like we know that, right? Yeah, we don't support police accountability. We think they should be able to kill whoever they want, right, guys? Damn right. Black coffee matters. That's fucking hilarious, bud. So then he decides to get in another Patriots Prayer Marcher's face, and you can hear the guy actually trying to quell the situation. I smell bitch! All I smell is bitch! You're really cute there, princess. I mean, the white supremacist is sitting there going, hey, um, why don't we have a drink? You know, why don't we have a martini? And he's like, I don't want to drink. Well, how about a virgin daiquiri? We can sit down and have a conversation. No, we can't do that. And then it leads to what happened to Lee. And he gets in Lee's face. And the victim, he's actually asking Lee to mace him. So he sees the mace in his hand. Um, Listen to the clip. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Find out. Don't touch me. Find out. Don't 
touch me, man. Don't touch me. So someone steps in between them to break them up yet again. And that's when Lee starts to move away from this individual and head over to where he runs into Matt right behind him. And Matt Dolloff, uh, kind of gets in his face. That's when Lee kind of takes his hand and pushes him back out of the way. And then that is when Matt decides to draw his weapon in retaliation at the same time. Uh, Lee pulls his mace out to spray, but unfortunately, Lee, uh, Lee wasn't as quick enough. Matt was quicker on the trigger and shot him in the head. And then you hear the Black Lives Matter, Black Guns Matter guy gloating about it. He said, they're going, look, he shot him in the dome. I mean, that should sum up everything right there. So if you follow that video all the way through, which matches all the eyewitnesses accounts and all the internet sleuths and all the different clips and things that are out on the internet, all match the same timeline of events. You would, it matches the thread that we covered that the photographer from Channel 9 interviewing the Black Guns Matter guy, who's actually a Black Lives Matter agitator in disguise, she makes the case that the news photographer and the agitators were working together to paint a picture of the right being hostile at the event, which is why in the initial news reports, it sounded like the videographer or photographer was arrested along with Matt. So they went around to paint the picture of Look at these white supremacists. They're, they're violent. We got to take them out. And I even think maybe this Matt guy, Matt Dolloff, maybe he secretly wanted to shoot a Trump supporter. And if it could be a situation where he would do it in, quote, self-defense, you know, where they provoke a guy, the guy goes to push him because they're like, oh, you soy boys. They know that that's coming. And then he can draw his weapon and make the case that he was defending himself like, like uh, what's his name, the kid in, uh, in Portland, was it Portland or Wisconsin? I can't remember which. But the one who was defending himself up against the guy with a hammer and the other guy with the gun, and he ends up shooting the dude's bicep off. Um, I think they wanted to recreate a scenario as such, have it on the news, and then at the same time, he gets to fulfill his wet dream of killing a Trump supporter and be covered under the self-defense end. And then paint that picture that Biden talked about of White supremacy, the ghost war, the ghost movement of white supremacy taken over the country by storm. You know, that's what they were. That, that's what they were trying to create. Now, I don't know much about this submission or sub dot mission group that apparently uh, Matt Dulliff has a an Atari Space Invader character tattooed on his hand. And apparently there's a group called uh, submission, sub dot mission. And it's almost like a activist music group, like an activist music scene. Not that that hasn't happened before. Skinhead Sharps, maybe back in the 80s, 90s. But they have different things where they've, they've got I'm with you with Black Lives Matter. If you want to donate, you can go to blacklivesmatter.card.co. Um, they even have this individual. I guess he's a I don't know if he's a dubstep DJ or something, but he's now signed 
to sub.mission agency records, which is this individual Raven Schoon with a giant pagan goat over top of a pentagram on, on this, on the logo. But yeah, these people were using some of these events throughout the area to also raise funds for Black Lives Matter. So I'm not sure how that falls into play with all of this. Maybe there's a whole underground scene that is being used to funnel funds to these activist groups, but he was a part of it. He also uh, was pictured with many members of the uh, Occupy, or no, it, it was a uh, Denver, Colorado fascist, uh, the uh, anti-fascist group. Um, so yeah, here it is kind of looking at it in real time. So <laughs> Colorado Springs anti-fascist. Yeah. He's uh pictured with them. So when they say there's no political leanings to this, they're lying to you. And the news media has been lying to you because they want this to be a Covington Catholic situation where they can say, look at the white Trump supporters, they're white supremacists. But in reality, again, just like the people that wanted to uh, hijack Whit uh, Governor Whitmer, it's a leftist Antifa group posing as something else. The news media is trying to gaslight you. Don't fall for it. That's why it's an important story because we lost a great individual. Lee Keltner was actually a military service member. I mean, we lost him because of a stupid move to propagate a false premise on white supremacy. Back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. Before we move on to other topics, I want to show you and solidify the fact that the left wants you dead. Look what they did in Colorado to the veteran, uh, to the veteran Lee Keltner. And listen to this guy. In fact, I think he might be in Colorado as well. He is a part of a political organization on the left for, uh, you know, for the Democrat party. And listen to him. Project Veritas caught this video. And it's really telling because he has the same frame of mind. 2020 is a political revolution. I am going to do everything morally acceptable to win. I will lie, I will cheat, I will steal because that's morally acceptable in this political environment. This is Chris Jacks from Our Revolution, a radical left 501c4 organization bent on creating a quote, political revolution in the United States. Jax represents the Democratic Party here in Colorado. And Jack says a Biden administration will be used to advance his political objectives or else there will be violence. It's going to take a strategic hit against the 21% that's in charge. Because that's who it is. It's killing, killing random Nazis in the street, random bootlickers. So you want to do some Versailles? You want to do some Antifa shit? You really want to change this country that way with violence? There's only one way to do it. you got to get people that are close to billionaires and start just random billionaires start turning them down. I mean, Bezos at the top of the list. I do think there needs to be a militant group, and I love Antifa for that reason. I love that there's... You, you always have to have somebody that's willing to hold up the flag and say, no, this is the line in the sand, and we're the ones holding that line. But, but they ain't stabbing mother like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to though, because they used to stop. See? Yeah. And that's all we gotta say. No. Guillotines, motherfucker. 
That's all I gotta say. Option A, what I'm proposing. Option two, slicey boys. What are your choices? Which one do you want? Joe Biden is presumably left wing, and he's got a functioning signing hand. And as long as there's progressive legislation that comes across his desk, I am confident we can occupy his house. We know where he'll live. So you think? And, and yeah, he, he wants to veto Medicare for all. Let him veto it. He's never leaving that house again without protest. Half of the struggle that I have ain't with Republicans. It isn't with the right wing. It's with moderates in, our, in the Democratic Party. They underestimate how many people on the left are organized, trained, armed, and ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> they're fine with it. They're, they want to kill you. It's crazy. And I think that's what happened with this situation at the rally over the weekend where this individual thought, hey, I can get myself in a position to where it looks like I'm being attacked and then I can retaliate and shoot this individual and get my rocks off on taking out Trump supporters. So that's basically what you have to look from look forward to from the peaceful left, you know, the the tolerant, inclusive, virtuous left like that. That individual said it was moral to lie, cheat, and steal. That's the kind of morality they have. <laughs> Anything to win. So that's uh, that's your political uh, your political insight for the week. Okay, so now let's get into the whole coronavirus thing, the whole update. The World Health Organization. You're going to love these updates, by the way. They're great. The idea of herd immunity to confront coronavirus is unethical. The director of the World Health Organization... Tedros, uh, I can't even, Jarzabishis, whatever his last name is. Just know that he's that guy from, I think he's from Somalia, and he's a Chinese hack, basically, a Chinese plant. He warned Tuesday of the dangers of relying on the idea of herd immunity to confront the outbreak of the corona epidemic, say, saying that this represents a problem at the scientific and moral level, right? He said, uh, when herd immunity occurs, a large part of society is immune to the disease through vaccines or through its widespread outbreak, indicating that long-term effects of the virus and the strength and duration of any immune response to it are not yet known. He stressed that herd immunity is achieved by protecting people from the virus and not exposing it to them, explaining that the World Health Organization has not used herd immunity in its history as a strategy to respond to the outbreak of the disease, let alone a pandemic. But one has to realize, why do you take a vaccine for the flu? Why do you take a vaccine for anything? Because you're trying to achieve an artificially uh, achieved herd immunity. So you pump yourself with the virus, and the next thing you know, uh, your antibodies kind of work on it, and then you're immune, and you get out in front of it before a ton of people get infected with it naturally. <laughs> so it's been used a ton. But this guy is a hack. And, and this whole coronavirus lockdown, uh, mask wearing exercise is all BS. You know, again, I've been saying this since March and you can go back and listen. Remember when Fauci, I did a whole episode back in April or May, might have been in early June where Fauci, I've got him debating himself on mask, a uh, mask. We shouldn't use the mask. In fact, we need to let the medical professionals only use it so we don't use all the PPE. And we only, you know, you don't really need the mask. Oh, wait a minute. Now you need the mask. 
And then the timing of when the mask mandates come. They didn't come in March or April or May. They came in like June and July when it was the warmest where this type of virus has a difficult time surviving. And then you find out from the CDC that 85% of the people wearing masks. This is the new study from the CDC. The same one where Robert Rutfield, the head of the CDC, is saying he would rather wear one of these ineffective masks from a box that actually says does not fight against uh, coronaviruses. Um, he would rather wear that than have a vaccine. He, they, His organization put out a report that said 85% of the people that did wear a mask had coronavirus. I think it was 13% or no, it was 3% of the people who did not wear a mask were infected with coronavirus. Basically saying that the masks are exacerbating, which is another thing I've said, that are exacerbating the entire virus. It's making it stay around longer than it needs to be. There's videos of Sweden. Sweden did herd immunity. They didn't lock down. They didn't wear masks. They didn't do anything. And now there's videos of people in Sweden, not a single person wearing a mask, no social distancing, no reported outbreaks, no upticks, nothing. And you know what? It goes back to they're trying which is really sick to think, but this is what it seems to be. It's one of two things. Either they were all completely incompetent, and every time they got a new update, they were completely wrong, so they revised it. The CDC said, well, it's not, uh, not aerosol. It's, it's not, it's not in, it's not an airborne fashion, so don't worry about, it. oh, wait a minute, it is an airborne fashion. Oh, well, we had to retract that because that was something we, it was a draft we put on our website. Oh, wait a minute. No, it really is airborne. Everything they said is garbage. Either they're completely incompetent, or they wanted this to prolong itself because the models didn't meet what the reality is. The models were, oh my gosh, millions of people are going to die. And then you found out what their uh, models were based on. It was complete BS. So now you've got them making you wear the mask during the summertime. And then, oh, we're getting close to the, the grand opening of flu season. Take the mask off. Yeah, no biggie. Don't have to wear the mask. Oh, well, will that uptick things? I don't know. They're doing this to exacerbate it, to make it seem like the pandemic is longer than it needed to be, and that their forecast of taking six months off from work and everything was BS. But then the WHO comes back and destroys the lockdowns. So Sunetra uh, Gupta from Oxford University on, and she was implying, and I'm interested in you because you have a global mandate, a global view, was that a problem we don't think about in lockdowns is that they're very nationalistic. That if we lock down our economy, then it hits our economy. But it also means we are not buying stuff. We're not trading with weaker economies. We are not just destroying our own jobs. We're destroying the jobs of all those that in the poorer parts of the world that export to us. That seemed to me to be a reasonable point. Really important point by Professor Gupta. I want to say it again. Uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific, because people aren't taking their holidays. Looks what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets have got dented. Look what's happening to poverty levels. It seems that we may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. 
we may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders, stop using lockdown as your primary control method, develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. So, yeah, lockdowns were a bad idea because it affects the, the economies of poorer nations. Huh? Who the fuck? Who would have thought that? It's ridiculous. This whole thing has been completely ridiculous. And if you want the ridiculous icing on the cake, you got to listen to Nancy Pelosi talking to Wolf Blitzer about the coronavirus stimulus package plans that they had. And you got to remember this. And I, I'm not going to get into the Amy Coney Barrett confirmation because every conservative podcast and show out there is going to cover it. But she is dismantling all these idiots in, in, in the Senate. And she's doing so with her intellect. I mean, there's one point where, you know, they're, they're doing these stupid premises. Um, should you recuse yourself from any any uh, rulings on the election, even though you're not nominated yet? Or, hey, are you going to make a deal to uh, rule in our favor? And she's like, no, she's nailing them left and right. And when someone asks, what kind of notes do you have? She holds up a blank paper with the Senate letterhead. She's all off the top of her head because you're dealing with ambulance chasing idiots in Senate. Some are lawyers, some are people that are in other uh, areas of business, but the majority of them are complete morons going up an intellectual powerhouse like Amy Coney Barrett. So you've got that in the House of Representatives too. So listen listen to Speaker Pelosi talking about, she's arguing with Wolf Blitzer because he's not buttering her ass on their coronavirus stimulus package, but listen to how she goes about explaining how what she does is so noble their proposal either. But let's not go into that. You evidently do not respect the chairman of the committees who wrote these bills. I respect all of you. And I wish you you would respect the knowledge that goes into getting uh, meeting the needs of the American people. But again, you've been on JAG defending the administration all this time with no knowledge of the difference between our two bills. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that to you in person. Madam Speaker, these are are incredibly difficult times right now. Uh, and we'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much yeah. for joining now, we'll us. We'll leave it on the vote that you are not right on this, Wolf, and I hate to say that to All you. Right. <laughs> but I feel confident about it, and I feel confident about my colleagues, and I feel confidence in my chairs. And it's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, and we represent them. And we represent them. And we represent these long food lines that we're seeing. Them. I know we you know are. Them. I'm, I'm just we saying. We represent them and we know them. As we, we say. We know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is here nowhere in near perfect. Madam Speaker. Always the case, but we're not even close to the good. All right. Let's see what happens because every day is critically, critically important. Thanks so much Thank for joining us. Thank you for your us. sensitivity to our constituents' needs. I am sensitive to them because I see them on the street begging for food, begging for money. Madam Speaker, thank you, you so much. Have you fed them? We feed them. We feed them. We'll continue this conversation down the road for sure. <laughs> we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. And there it is right there. She feeds people. You know, the government is here to help. And when the government is here to help, that means they're here to break everything. And the coronavirus is a prime example of how they screwed everything up. When they could have just let things well alone, 
there would not be the spike. We would not have to flatten the curve only to see that no one was going to the hospital at all and they're laying off hospital workers. None of that had to happen. Could have just let everything well alone, let the virus virus, and we would be on the other side of this thing. But we've got elections and we've got all these other things we have to politicize. We have to have Elena Laurie out there telling Scott Taylor uh, people, oh, he was out here. He didn't have a mask. That's always, always the phrase. And he was not wearing a mask. It's ridiculous. This whole premise needs to be rejected. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart. Also, adrianslade.com is the blog. You can donate by going to anchor.fm slash adrianslade. Or if you want to be on the show, call us, 929-GO-GO-USA. That's 929-GO-GO-USA. And leave us a message, and you may be on the show. God bless. We'll see you guys.